Hello, and welcome to the sermon podcast of First Baptist Church of Versailles, Missouri. It is our hope that the following message will help you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. For more teachings, please visit our sermon page at fbcversailles.com. I've titled today's message, Made in God's Image, from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Let's pray. O God, you have wonderfully created and even more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature. Grant that we may share the divine life of the one who humbled himself to share in our humanity, your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A little girl uh, asked her dad how the human race came about. Well, that's easy, said her dad. God created Adam and Eve, and they had children, and they, their children had children, and that's how the human race came into existence. Well, a couple days later, she was with her mother, and she asked her mother that same exact question. And her mother said, oh, that's simple. A long time ago, there were ape men and we evolved from them. Well, that confused the little girl. And so she went back to her dad and she said, Dad, how come you said we were created by God, but Mom said that we evolved from ape men? And her dad said, oh, that's, that's simple. I was telling you about my side of the family and she was telling you about hers. You know, we laugh at that and, and rightly so. But roughly 8 in 10 adults in the United States believe that humans evolved over time. 8 out of 10. Some of them say that it was an evolutionary process that was guided by God. Others say that it was just by natural processes altogether. But the total number is 8 out of 10. Sadly, that same study then reveals that only 18% of adults in the United States believe that man has existed in his present form from the beginning. 18%. That means that only 18% of adults in the United States believe that creation took place as the Bible describes. 18%. I can't get over that number. 18%. Our world rejects God's truth from the very first page of the Bible. Many view humanity as a result of a process that has been carrying on for millions upon millions of years. And what a person believes about how they came into existence is going to affect how they live their life. They're going to act accordingly. So, if someone believes that they have evolved from a monkey, it should come as no surprise to us that they live unrestrained lives with no moral compass, with no conscience, They are just animals, after all. Our society does not place much value on human life. 
However, if we believe that humans are created by God as unique as His unique creation and created in His image, we will live our lives upholding the value and the glory that is reflected in the human life. I believe that our text for today teaches that every person, every person is created in the very image of God. God has designed us and He has created us to do His will and to accomplish His work. God has made us in His image to bring Him honor and glory. You and I and every other person in the whole world have been created by God and created in His image and likeness. We are His very handiwork, the Bible says. Everything that we are, everything that we do, is because we are made by God and we are made for God. Let me give you my outline this morning. I don't do this all the time, but I'll go ahead and give you the whole thing right now. There's three truths, I think, that we find uh, in our text today and, and then in the New Testament as well. We're made by the hand of God. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. And we are made holy by the Son of God. So first, let's take a look at how we are made by the hand of God. As God is creating everything that He has created, we are told that God said, and then it happened. He spoke the world into existence. For instance... On day one, he said, let there be light. And do you know what happened next? There was light. That's right. On day two, God said, let there be an expanse. And at the end of that verse, it says, and it was so. Day three, let the water be gathered together. And it was so. Let there be lights in the sky. And it was so. Let the water swarm with living creatures and birds in the sky. And it was so. Day six, God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds. And it was so. He spoke to nothing and created everything. He told the dust of the ground, make animals, and they did. He told the water in the sea, make fish, and it did. Verse 26 says this, Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in His own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. That wording is a little bit different, isn't it, than the rest of it? It's a little bit different than the rest of it. Everything up to this point has been God has said, and it was so, but here we are told that God said, let us make man. All of the other created beings just leap into existence from a simple word out of the mouth of God. He speaks and they are. Yet when it comes to the creation of man, a divine counsel is convened. God pauses for a moment to consider the implications in creating man and woman. Long before the rebellion in Eden, God knows the end of the story. He knows what's coming. He knows the devastating effects that sin will have as it rips its way through the centuries. The sin of this first couple is going to spread like a runaway virus throughout the whole human race, affecting everything and everyone. Eventually, it would result 
in God the Son dying on the cross in the place of depraved human beings. Yet still knowing all of this and seeing both the glory of Adam and Eve and all that they would experience and the pain that they would have to suffer through and endure, God creates them anyway. This moment is the peak of God's creation. God has created everything else already. And at the very end, man is His last creation. And you always save the best for last, right? That's why dessert happens at the end of the meal. Although as I'm getting older, I'm kind of like, yeah, why don't I go ahead and eat dessert already anyway? But God here is making a unique comment about humanity. God says it was good as He creates everything else. It is good, it is good, it is good. But after He finishes creating people in verse 31, God said that it was very good. David describes the process of our creation as God knitting us together in our mother's wombs in Psalm 139, which was read just a few moments ago. I tried to knit once. Have you, has anybody tried to knit before? Successfully knit? A bunch of hands go down. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> I was terrible at it. Terrible. But God isn't. While you and I were knit together by the hand of God, the first people were formed by the hand of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we read, The Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Everything else in all of creation spoken into existence. But God did not command the dust, bring forth a man. Instead, God stoops down. And he scoops up some dirt into his hand and he sculpts man from it. And then he takes the rib of that man and constructs a woman. David writes that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The complexity and wonder that's contained inside of each human being is beyond amazing. And as God, God takes and forms the man, there's some incredible things going on complexity that's beyond our imagination. For instance, the total length of your circulatory system, all the veins in your body, they stretch 60,000 miles. That's more than twice the distance around the earth. In one square inch of skin, there are four yards of nerve fibers, 600 pain sensors, 1,300 nerve cells, 9,000 nerve endings, 36 heat sensors, 75 pressure sensors, 100 sweat glands, 3 million cells, and 3 yards of blood vessels. Except for your brain cells, 50 million of the cells in your body will have died and been replaced with others all while I have been reading this sentence to you. Your heart beats about 100,000 times in one day and about 40 million times in a year. In one hour, your heart will work hard enough to produce enough energy to raise almost a ton of weight one yard off of the ground. And that's just our physical body. That's not even all of our physical body. But we have minds too, and our minds are incredible. For instance, right now, you are picturing a green porcupine. 
because I just said the words green porcupine. There's no other creature that can do that. Your dog can't do that. Your cat can't do that. Only people can do that. You have thoughts. You have feelings. You have dreams. Your mind can process thoughts four times faster than the fastest supercomputer on the planet. God made Adam this complex, forming him by hand. And you too are made by the hand of God, knit together in your mother's womb. God has given you a personality. He's given you innate abilities and spiritual gifts and a, and a particular purpose in this world that sets you apart for Him. You are His creation. You are made in His likeness. And that leads us to our second truth for this morning. That you are made in the image and the likeness of God. As we read the creation account, it becomes very clear very quickly that mankind has been made vastly different than the rest of the animal kingdom. Five times in Genesis 1, 24 and 25, we're told that all the animals are made according to their what? To their kind. They're made according to their kind. Every animal is made that way according to its kind, following its own pattern. But when we look at verses 26 and 27, it doesn't say that man was made according to his kind. It says that man is made according to the image and likeness of God. The text is telling us that something different is happening when it comes to man. That man is unique. He's not just some other animal. He's not just another beast, another living creature. He's something different. He's not just a higher level of animal. What we have here is God telling us that man is entirely different than the rest of the animals. Only man is made in the image and the likeness of God. No other animal, no other created thing has God's image or likeness. And this idea of image and likeness is repeated just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. Adam has a son. It says 130 years old, Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness according to his image. Adam had a son according to his image in his likeness according to his image. And he named him Seth. Seth was created, Seth was born in the image and likeness of his father. And Adam was created in the image and likeness of his father, God. The question then becomes, what is meant then by this image and likeness? And ever since Genesis was penned, people have been trying to identify the different facet about how man reflects God in his image and likeness. The 4th century theologian Augustine wrote that the image of God was connected to man's memory, his understanding, and his will. Others point to man's self-awareness or his personality or the conscious that we have and moral decision-making abilities. Still others point to the fact that man has three parts, body, soul, and spirit, which reflects the triune nature of God. Or even that man is the only creature who worships God with spiritual awareness. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says that God has put eternity into man's heart. 
One friend who studied very deeply about this, even wrote his entire doctoral thesis on it, said that there are seven characteristics of man which display the image of God. Cognition, conscience, culpability, creativity, community, composition, and corporeality. That last one always gets me. (laughs) They're all C's, all C words, because he's a Baptist pastor. He wrote that way. Have Have to have the same letter, right? But in our text, specifically, we're not told exactly what it means. But what we know for sure is that as creatures who bear the image of God, man was made to imitate God in some way. In order to reveal something about God to all of creation. Architects are known by their buildings. Artists are known by their paintings. And humanity, by bearing the image of God, reveal Him to each other and to the rest of the world. Not only are we created to bear the image of God, but we're called to model our lives after some of His characteristics. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says, Be holy, for I am holy. That's what God is like. That's what His image and likeness is like, holy. And He calls us to be like Him. Be holy because I am holy. There's something about us that God calls us to bear His image and His likeness to the world. But if you spend any time listening to the world, it will become very clear, very quick, that many people see man as just some other animal. In fact, a decade and a half ago, the London Zoo set up a display, and that display was dubbed humans in their natural environment. They were in an enclosure not too different from the other animals in the primate section of the zoo, and there was a signboard there right outside of their, right outside of their display that informed observers about their diet and their habitat and all the other things that you read about on the placards at the zoo. A spokeswoman for the zoo said that the exhibit teaches members of the public that the human is just another primate. One participant said a lot of people think humans are above other animals, but when they see humans as animals here, it kind of reminds us that we're not that special. One zoo guest said humans are animals too. The Bible teaches something radically different. Humans are not just animals. According to our text today and the rest of the Bible, humans are valuable. They're precious. They have dignity because God formed man by hand. He created him in his image and his likeness. And nothing else is created after the kind of God. But man is. Everything else is created after its own kind, but when it comes to man, God creates us after Himself. People in our world, they assign value and significance to people based on the family that they come from, or how much money they have, or their health, or their good looks, or their lack of good looks. But the Bible says differently. People are not valuable because of how they look, not because of how smart they are, not because of how talented they are, not because of how healthy they are, not because of how successful they are, not because of how much money they have, but because people 
have been personally designed by the designer of the entire universe. And He's made His divine mark on each and every one. Each person, each and every person has worth and value because they are made in the image of God. Everyone matters to Him because His image is in each person. Whether they're great or small, whether they're rich or poor, young or old, sick or healthy, educated or illiterate, strong or weak, God's thoughtful care and love extends from the moment of conception when an unborn child is just a ball of microscopic cells all the way to the moment of physical death. Every human being bears the image of God. They're created in God's image for who Christ has died. A preborn baby is made in the image of God. An aged adult who is weakening in the nursing home is made in the image of God. Every person in here and every person out there has been created in the image of God. And this is an important truth because it affects how we live our life every single day. It affects how we treat other people who are around us. John Calvin, thinking about how people are made in the image of God, wrote this. In this way only, we attain to what is not to say difficult, but altogether against nature. So he's saying this, this is impossible. To love those that hate us, to render good for evil and blessing for cursing. Remembering that we are not to reflect on the wickedness of men, but look to the image of God in them. An image which, covering and obliterating their faults, should by its beauty and dignity allure us to love and embrace them. It's going to be hard sometimes with people. There are going to be certain people that are just going to... Right? Don't say their name. But John, John Calvin here is reminding us that each one of them is created in the image of God. And if we look at them the way that our Creator looks at them, then we can find love and dignity and beauty in their life. He created them for a purpose. You know, there's so much more that we could say about this passage, about being created in the image of God, but I, because the image of God is just a very important concept. But let me, let me make one more observation based on these verses. In verse 27, he says he created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And this means that being created in the image of God, gender is a beautiful gift. And it connects to this. When God created Adam, he saw that Adam needed a helper. And when God created a helper for Adam, He created a woman, not a man. Men and women are to be complementary to one another, not competing against each other. Each one is designed for a specific role that God has purposed. And this is why same-sex unions are sinful. They go against the design of God. 
It breaks the created order of God and goes against what it means to bear His image. It deteriorates the value and the significance of human life being created in the likeness of God. You know, this idea of the sanctity of life is not just about unborn babies. And it's not just about our senior adults who are in the nursing home, some of them, many of them now passing away. Those are important and we should fight for the rights and dignity and respect that they deserve and we should, we should do all we can to help. But this idea of the sanctity of life is how God has designed us to live our life each and every day, to reflect Him in our world. And that leads us to our third truth for this morning and that we are made holy by the Son of God. God's creation was good. In fact, He said it was perfect. And after forming man but with his very hands, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, God says, informs us that he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Not only does a man bear the image and likeness of God, but he was also made alive by his very breath. Adam is given a soul. He has an aspect to his being which is personal and it's spiritual and it's immortal. It will live on forever. And that's part of our being made in the image of God. God is eternal and he has given us an eternal soul. But what a mess we've made of this awesome value and dignity that has been placed on us by God. Genesis 3 records what we call the fall of man because of sin. And this sin badly marred the image of God in us. I mean, do you feel like you're representing God in the way that He created you to do? I know that I don't. Sin has marred and distorted the image of God in all of us. But even though it has been marred, it has not been destroyed. It's been marred, but not destroyed. Our belief that we are created in the image of God, drives us to look for a redemption, a transformation, a recreation. I was going to have you picture in your minds, but then I realized that uh, not everybody can do that because I read an article about that, how many people, when when I said green porcupine earlier, you're like, what does that look like? Because you can't quite picture in your head. So I brought... I brought a visual illustration today. Not of the green porcupine, but of what I'm getting ready to say. This is a clean sheet of paper. It's crispy, it's perfect, has no flaws in it, and on it it says, made in God's image. And this piece of paper represents Adam in the garden as he is formed by the hand of God. He has no sin, and the image of God is perfect and complete in him. Now, if I take this paper and I crumple it, I tear it a little bit, this, and I get some dirt on it. And just for good measure, we should get it wet. That's good. This wet, crinkled, torn, dirty piece of paper represents the effect of sin on our life. 
Sin has made it difficult to see the image of God, but it's still there. Can you see it a little bit? It's right there. You can still see it some, but it's hard to see because sin has marred it so badly, so terribly, and distorted it because its destructive power is so great. And this isn't just Adam's problem. It's a problem for all of us. None of us are born with a clean sheet. We're all born dirty, crinkled, and torn. And we only make it worse as we live our life in this world. And while it is difficult at times to see, every person is still made in the image of God and in His likeness. And everyone has been given an eternal soul that will live on forever. And that's why it's so important for us to preach the Gospel. The Bible teaches us that all who deny Christ in this life, that at death will eternally be separated from God's good presence and experience His wrath for all of eternity. However, all of those who put their hope in Christ are made new creations. That's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17, that in Christ we are new creations. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we, we read, For you are saved by grace through faith, and it's not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast, for we are His workmanship, Listen to this, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And to put on the new self, listen again, the one that is created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. God created us in His image. But in sin, His image in us has been marred. Not destroyed, but marred. Jesus is our answer to fixing that problem. You see, Jesus never sinned. His life was a perfect representation of what the image of God was supposed to be. We're told that in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He shows what the restored image looks like and He comes by faith and He forgives and He cleanses us and He begins a reclamation project called sanctification where each day we are being made more and more into the image of Christ. And that sanctification process ends in glory. The glory that God intended humans being, human beings to have in the first place when we cross the line of death into eternal life with Him. You see, Jesus takes us in our crinkled, ripped up, and dirty state. And He straightens us out. And He heals our wounds. And He cleanses our hearts. But more importantly, He covers us with His own righteousness. We won't be perfectly perfect until we're in heaven. But we can experience the transforming power of the Holy Spirit while we wait. And that's what we're supposed to do with our lives. Show the world the incredible transforming power of God by living according to His image and His likeness. That's the best advertisement I think that there is for Jesus. Someone whose life has changed They've been made new. It says to all of those out there whose lives are still crinkled and dirty and torn apart that no matter how badly they've been damaged 
by the sin that they have, they don't have to stay that way. Jesus can come into their life and make them new. Make them who they were created to be. Since all people are made in the image of God, that means that anyone can be saved. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. There is no sinner that is so marred by sin that God cannot save them. No person who is beyond the grace of God. Sin has marred God's image. It has distorted it in our lives, but it has not broken it. God can make you new today. Our value and our worth and our dignity is shown by God creating us in His image and then loving us enough to pay the unbelievable cost of saving us from our sins. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God didn't say, take your life and get it as straight and clean as you can. No, He took us in our crumpled up, dirty, rotten state, and He made us new. And when we come to Christ humbly, and we repent, and we believe in His name, He will make us new as well. The message of the Gospel is so important because we are living in a world that has no concept of a value of life. They think, I'm here now, but I won't be one day, so I'm going to live however I want. But what they don't know is that one day they're going to stand in judgment and there will be consequences for their sins. They're going to have to give an account. And they feel hopeless now because they don't think that there's anything else out there except for what they can see and feel and experience. They're going to feel so empty for all of eternity, separated from God. That should drive us to share with these people that that God made them and that He loves them and that He wants to have a relationship with them. And if they put their hope in Him, they can be restored. They don't have to feel helpless or hopeless anymore. But they can be filled with the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We're thankful for your word this morning, which reminds us that our lives are not just, they're not just insignificant chance that happened because of the results of millions of years of whatever. But that, Lord, before the foundation of the world, you made a plan. And each and every person is part of that plan. You've made us beautiful in your image and you've given us strength to live in your likeness to show the rest of the world what you are like. And I pray, Lord, that that we would allow you to fill our heart and our life so that we would reflect your glory in everything that we do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of First Baptist Church of Versailles. We would love it if you joined us in person. Our services are Sunday at 1045 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. We are located at 211 East Jasper Street in Versailles, Missouri. For more sermon recordings, visit our sermon page at fbcversailles.com.